I immediately thought, oh my God, my water has broken, which has never happened to me before. In the past, my water always broke when I was pushing. And instead of, um, you know, water flowing out of me, it was blood. I had just gushing blood. When I saw the bleeding, I just knew, I said, oh my gosh, I'm having a placental abruption. I know what this is. Every single night I would put him in the carrier and walk around the fields with him and, you know, like talk to him and cry and apologize for not being there when he was born. I'm Cynthia Overgaard, owner of Hypnobirthing of Connecticut, childbirth advocate, and postpartum support specialist. And I'm Trisha Ludwig, certified nurse midwife and international board-certified lactation consultant. And this is the Down to Birth Podcast. Childbirth is something we're made to do, but how do we have our safest and most satisfying experience in today's medical culture? Let's dispel the myths and get down to birth. So Megan, it's so good to have you on Down to Birth Show. Um, You first reached out to me and Trisha last summer. You were a podcast listener in Connecticut And you wrote us a long emotional email about uh, your third birth, your third boy. Your first two births were lovely. And then you had a placental abruption for your third birth when you were planning this final birth to be like the the choir singing and the be all end all of your birth experiences. Um, So you're here to tell that story. And a year ago, you were willing to tell it and you asked to tell it, but um, I said, why don't you give it a long while till you finish processing? So why don't you introduce yourself? And before you get into your story, talk about, um, just comment on what that processing might have done for you and whether you think it was a good idea to wait before telling your story. Um, Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I have been such a fan of the show and it's just, um, it really actually uh, helped me so much in preparing for my third birth, even though it went in a totally different direction than I had hoped for. I have, yes, I have three boys. One is um, turning seven, a four-year-old, and my baby is now 15 months. So it has been 15 months um, since his birth. And um, I would say that, um, I mean, I still think about it a lot. And I remember when I first, I joined um, Cynthia's postpartum support group um, as soon as I had him. And I remember Cynthia, you saying like, you're really going to go through ups and downs and it's not a linear process. And I definitely have found that to be true. Um, You know, the one year mark was very emotional for me to sort of like come full circle and be reliving that experience a year later, you know, in my memories. Um, So that was really important to me to sort of move through that whole first year, I think. And it was a totally different experience than after having my other two. I keep saying like, wow, this third baby has really like brought some new things into my life that I had not anticipated. I kind of felt like, wow, I've had two kids. I know what I'm doing. I've been through this, you know, birth and postpartum experience before. And it was so different this time. So Megan, you had two, this is your third birth story that you're going to share. You had two vaginal births followed by your third birth being a C-section birth and a placental abruption. Yes. 
So why don't you just begin by telling us what this experience was like compared to your other experiences? Yeah. So it was really interesting because with my first baby, um, I had um, a condition called velamentous cord insertion. And so I had been, a lot of fear had been put into me in terms of the birth. So I really had prepared myself that there might be a chance I would have a C-section with my first. And fortunately, that did not happen. And I was able to have a vaginal birth and a really great recovery. And everything was very smooth. And my second baby was like the dream birth where you labor at home. I walked to the beach while I was in labor and I, you know, gave birth within a couple of hours of arriving at the birth center. So I had read some statistic about, you know, if you've had vaginal births already, the chances of having a C-section are very, very low. So I kind of had put it out of my head completely that that was going to be a possibility. I really was focused on the fact that I wanted to have a water birth for the first time. I did so much preparation this time. I was doing hypnobirthing and listening to the recordings, the meditations every day. I did spinning babies. I did their exercises. I read and learned so much about optimal positioning for birth. I really like put a lot of time into preparing for this and was sort of excited in a way I hadn't been with my other two. I think the first two, I had some fears going into birth. And this time I had sort of really done a lot of work to move through that. Were you planning a home or hospital birth or birth center birth for your third? a birth center birth in a freestanding birth center. And my other two had been in a birth center within a hospital. So this was my first opportunity that I was getting to um, give birth in, to have a water birth. I had labored in the tub before, but I hadn't been allowed to give birth in the tub. So I was kind of really hoping for that experience. Um, I had changed practices this time because I really was searching for a particular kind of midwifery practice. I'd always had midwives, but I wanted a certain experience that I didn't feel I had gotten the first time, uh, the first two times. I am one of those women who really enjoys being pregnant. I knew this was my last pregnancy. So I was kind of cherishing the last few weeks, the last couple of months of being pregnant and sort of really um, had this vision of what the end of my pregnancy was going to look like. And I teach fitness classes. So I woke up, um, I was 36 weeks and like five days, I think pregnant. And I had gone to teach and I taught a fitness class that morning. And in the evening, I went to my midwifery appointment and they actually did a biophysical profile on me. I think that's what it's called, where they like to see if I'm having any contractions and monitor the baby's movement. Just what be- was what was the reason at 36 weeks? Because of my age, um, I was 38 at the time, and they said this is kind of standard practice. She did give me the option to say no, um, but it's very interesting because everything checked out perfect. <laughs> well, when you say she gave you the option to say no, you always had that option. Yes. Yes. Um, you're a really thriving, healthy woman, and it's just a shame. You know, I had my home birth at age 38 and my age never came up my entire pregnancy. And I'm just thinking that you 
felt by this pregnancy, you found just the right midwives, but still from our perspective, listening to this, it's like, oh, yeah, well, you still could have had a little more support, a little more evidence-based support there. But anyway, you did go get that check and everything came out fine. So at least you didn't have to worry and wonder after she brought it all up. Yes, it's true. I had everything came back great. The baby was moving a lot. I could feel him. I went home and I did what I usually do at night. I was preparing to teach the next day. So I had everything set up. Um, My house was kind of chaos because I knew I was going to have the morning free. So I was like, I'll deal with everything in the morning. And I went to sleep. And at about four in the morning, I woke up um, because my middle child had woken up and I went to check on him and I was lying in bed and I felt some cramping Um, and I was kind of half asleep. And I thought to myself, oh, I must be just having some strong Braxton Hicks or my body's preparing. You know, I am getting into the kind of home stretch here. And um, I went back into my bed and I was lying there. And as I was lying there, I felt um, like a pop and then a gush. I immediately thought, oh my God, my water has broken, which has never happened to me before. In the past, my water always broke when I was pushing. And so I'd never had that experience of your water breaking first. So that's what I thought had happened. And I went to the bathroom to check. And instead of, um, you know, water flowing out of me, it was blood. I had just gushing blood. And I sort of had this intuitive knowing inside of me. I had heard a story of a woman who had a placental abruption. Just, I was listening to people's birth stories and I thought, wow, this is a really interesting one. And I had listened to it, never thinking that this was going to happen to me. But when I saw the bleeding, I just knew, I said, oh my gosh, I'm having a placental abruption. I know what this is. And I had this kind of real sense of calm come over me. And I went back, woke up my husband and said, we have to go to the hospital immediately. And, you know, there there are other points in my pregnancies where something has happened and I've sort of been like, oh, should I call the midwife? Should I not? It's the middle of the night. And this was none of that. I just knew, I knew that I had to um, go immediately and get care. It was very intense. I called the midwife and she said, you know, yes, you need to go to the hospital immediately and you're too far away to come to us. So go to whatever hospital is closest to you. How are you, how are you feeling at this point about the baby and the baby's well-being? Did you have an intuitive sense about that? Did you feel the baby moving? You didn't, you don't sound like you were frightened. I did not feel him moving at all. And that was frightening, but I had like this eerie calm to me. Um, about the whole thing where I just see, I felt very laser focused on doing what I needed to do. And in that moment, um, when we were driving to the hospital, I said to my husband, like, you know, we're having the baby now, like they don't send you home from this, you know? And he was like, okay. You know, he was like, okay. And I was texting my boss, telling her I'm not going to be able to work. I was just like, I had so like, and he was saying to me like, what, how are you focused? I just said, I just know what I need to do. Like, I have to tell these people what's going on and we have to get to the hospital. And just, I felt very calm. And I think I wrote to you in um, the letter I had written that 
I had this mantra in my head, which was, I am brave, I am strong, and I can do this. And I'd been sort of, you know, I'd been practicing the hypnobirthing meditations and all these kind of mantras to myself for birth. And I felt like I did tap into that in this process, even though it was a very different experience than I thought I was going to need that for. Let's just have Trisha explain to everyone what a placental abruption is. And I want to know, like, I want Trisha to answer just like, how urgent is it? I mean, if it does sometimes part of the placenta detach, can the whole thing detach? Can a woman know the difference? And then how much time is is left if the full placenta has detached? How much time does the baby have to get out? You know, so can you just tell us more about that first? So placental abruption is partial or complete. And that means that the, the placenta has separated from the wall of the uterus, a complete placental abruption is absolutely life-threatening. Um, and there's very little time. Most placental abruption, abruptions are partial. I'm assuming yours probably was partial. Okay, I, so. I mean, I don't think they ever told me that. I do have questions in retrospect about, like, did I have a partial abruption earlier that full, and then it fully detached? Um, you know, there are things that I wonder about now in retrospect, but it's hard to get answers to any of that because they, if your placenta has fully abrupted, there's, you know, there's no longer a lifeline to the baby. How much time is there? Very little. I mean, once you've cut off blood supply to the baby, they no longer have a source of oxygen. So it's however many minutes a baby can live without oxygen. I don't know the exact number of minutes, but it is definitely life-threatening for the mother and the baby because she also is at risk of massive hemorrhage if there's a full placental abruption. Most likely you had a partial abruption and it maybe by the time you got to the hospital, it was approaching mm -hmm. full abruption. I mean, it can start small and it can go bigger. It can be a full on all in one moment, but that is usually catastrophic. So when I tell you what happened at the hospital, it might give a little more insight into that because when I did get there and they hooked me up to monitors and verified that the baby was alive, that he still had a heartbeat, they at first did think that I might be able to deliver him vaginally. They said I was having contractions, which was what the cramping was. Um, and I was dilating, but I wasn't very dilated at that time. The doctor on call, who's, you know, nobody I'd ever met before, said, you know, you've had two vaginal births. Let's see if you could, if you can deliver this baby vaginally, as long as his heart rate stays. So um, that would indicate definitely that you did not have a full abruption right. because your placenta was still connected, still operating. And they did confirm just, you know, that it was a placental abruption. They, they told me that. And I, I kind of said, yep, <laughs> I know, you know, there was a piece of me that when they said that, I was like, oh, wow, that would be fantastic <laughs> to have a vaginal delivery at this point. But then there was also this piece of me that felt, you know, I thought to myself, I can't move with blood without blood gushing. How am I going to push a baby out, you know, at this point? And he said, you know, we would recommend that you get an epidural in case we have to do an emergency C-section. And he said, I'm going to give you a couple minutes, you know, a few minutes just to digest all of this, and then we'll come back. This all happened very fast, though, I will say, because he walked away for 
just a couple of minutes. I barely had time to think about what was happening. And he walked back in and said, I'm so sorry, but we're watching the monitors and the baby's heart rate is decelerating now very rapidly. And what he said to me is we don't have time to even do the epidural. We have to get you in for an emergency C-section immediately. And, you know, there is, there was that moment in my head that I thought, what if I push, like, can I push back on this? Do I have like, and I just didn't feel that I could in that moment because of course, the last thing I really wanted was to be under general anesthesia when my baby was born, but they were moving so fast. It was, you know, I tell people it was like a scene out of Grey's Anatomy at that point where, you know, the doctor is yelling at the nurses and the nurses are trying to do everything fast. And for me, this was when the fear really set in. There, there are times in birth, and we have said this on the podcast before, when your baby is in danger, you will know. When you don't have choices anymore and you just do what they say, you will know. And you experienced that. You knew there was no opportunity to discuss risks, alternatives, benefits. What if I wait? I mean, it was obvious in everybody's energy, in everything that was happening, that this was the only course of action. Did it hit you in that moment that this was how you were going to experience your third birth? Yeah. I mean, I, I did, I had that knowing, like I said, that I, you know, I just knew like this has to happen and I just have to be as brave and strong as I can in this moment, um, you know, for myself and for my baby. And I, I really just, like I said, I had that mantra in my head and I just kept telling myself, I can do this, you know, I can do this because frankly, I was terrified. I've never had surgery before. I've only, only ever been in the hospital for birth related things that were very normal. There was no complications. I just had to tell myself that. And of course they wouldn't let my husband come in with me because when you're under general anesthesia, they ask the husband to, to wait outside. Um, and I sort of said to him, you know, the only thing I really got out was if the baby's okay, you have to do skin to skin as soon as possible. And, you know, he looked at me and said, of course, like, I know that we've had two kids, but you know, that was the most important thing to me in that moment that he would get the baby. If I couldn't be awake and present, that he would get the baby as soon as possible um, and be able to do that with him. Are you saying you needed general anesthesia because mm-hmm. there's no time to do the spinal? Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah, they prepped me really fast. They rushed my bed down the hall so quickly that they rammed it into the wall. And, you know, I was sort of saying to the nurse, like, am I going to be okay? (laughs) Am I going to be okay? And she was like, I have twins and I've had to go through this. You'll be fine. But, you know, I was really, you know, I was really scared at that point. And they took me into the OR and they went to put the mask on top and I felt like I couldn't breathe. So I, asked them to, you know, I said, I can't breathe. And they pulled it sort of off of my face. So I I guess I was inhaling it, but it wasn't fully um, covering. And because of that, I actually did feel them cut into me. And that was kind of my last memory before I was, I went under. When I came out of it, um, you know, I was very groggy. And the first thing I noticed was that my husband was sitting right next to the bed, holding the baby. So I knew he was okay. I said to myself, like he wouldn't be here with me if he wasn't okay. 
Um, and then I sort of allowed myself to surrender to this like pain and experience of coming out of the anesthesia, which was ter- terrible. I mean, I, I remember saying like, oh my God, this is, this is what coming out of a C-section is like. This is so different than a vaginal birth. Now I know it was an emergency one and I was under general anesthesia. So I know that's not the experience of all women who go through C-sections, but it was very, very different than the experience I had after delivering my babies vaginally. And then, um, and then the, the other thing that happened after was that the nurse said to me, well, you're not, you're too out of it to breastfeed. So we're going to have to give the baby formula. And my eyes were closed. I was just listening to her and I kind of nodded my head and she left the room. And then I said to my husband, give me the baby. (laughs) I was like, give him to me. I breastfed, you know, two children. I know how to do this. And he, and besides all I wanted was to, to be able to hold that baby. And so he brought him over and I put him on my chest and he latched on immediately. And then the nurse came back and she saw what was going on. And so she called the lactation consultant who came in and sort of helped me through the first feeding. But, um, that was like, really, you know, I just, again, it was that knowing, like, I know I can do this. You You weren't going to get out of this experience without some hospital (laughs) rhetoric put on you, but you knew the difference. You knew this time. Yeah. Stand up for yourself. Yes. And because he was 36 weeks, they wanted us to do these blood sugar um, checks because they said if he did not have certain readings, they would have to take him to the NICU. And it was so funny because the nurse would say, well, I'll come back in three hours when you feed him again. And I said, well, he's not going to go three hours without nursing. He's going to nurse in half an hour again. And um, she just kept looking at me like, okay, um, just call me, I guess. And there was a midwife on staff and the midwife came in and she said, I saw your chart. I saw what happened. I know where you were supposed to deliver and that this is very far from your plan. And she's like, I just wanted to check in with you and see how you're doing. And she was so kind and she let me kind of process the whole experience and cry. And, you know, she said there was no other way that this could have happened. Like you had to go through the C-section. She was like, again, I looked at your records and I saw what happened and it just, you know, there was no other way. So she was very reassuring and made me feel validated and, and kind of gave me the space to, to process some of that. And she also said about the baby and his nursing, she said, you know what you're doing. Don't listen to them. Just keep, keep breastfeeding him like you're doing he's, he's doing great. So that was really, it was really nice to have that support. Um, and you know, my husband wanted me to add in here that for him, um, you know, he said the two things that stand out for him was how well we felt like we communicated through the whole thing and supported each other. And that it was, again, that kind of knowledge of what we needed to do. And we just really, really worked well, worked together and felt like we were a team. And then also he said, he really got the baby. He said about 10 minutes after, um, he was delivered, um, because they did a very quick assessment and he was doing great and they handed him off to Galen and he did the skin to skin. And he said for him, that actually was a really 
special experience to be the first one to hold him because the babies had always gone straight to my chest. And so he feels like he has this extra um, little bond with our youngest child because of that experience, because of him being sort of the first person that got to really hold him and be with him. So he wanted me to make sure that I added that on. That's great. And he was born healthy and fine and breathing and yeah, a hundred percent. They um so that only little piece was that blood sugar reading that we needed to pass, which we did. And the only other piece about the baby was that um we hadn't picked a name yet. We had had a very difficult time picking a name for him with our other two. We sort of had names picked out ahead of time. And I had said, I think there's something about meeting this baby that we're gonna we need to meet him in order to know what his name is going to be. And, you know, as I was coming out of general anesthesia, I said, I think his name is supposed to be wilder. <laughs> I said that just, that was so wild. And we'd had, that was one of our names on like a long list, but it wasn't kind of at the top, but I said, I think his name is supposed to be wilder. It actually could have been wildest. <laughs> Your three births. Um, Megan, you're so different from how you talked about your birth a year ago. I don't know whether you're aware of it or not. I know because it isn't linear, but you were full of emotion, full of tears. It was hard to get a sentence out about your birth. And um, you do have a, a different perspective now and a clarity. And in looking back, can you name what was so painful about your birth? Because for most women having a C-section, my understanding is that the pain of not knowing whether they really needed it is just an indescribable anguish, regret, self-blame. You don't have that particular thing to struggle with because you know you needed this. It might have been more around the fact that it was your final birth and you had done so much. Like, was it that? Was it the irony of just trying your hardest this time? What was causing so much emotion in all this time? Yeah, it was definitely. Um not getting the birth that I had hoped and wished for. That was a piece of it that I had really, you know, thinking this was my final birth, knowing this was my final birth. I had really had a vision of what I, I had hoped for it to be. And it was, yeah, it was very painful having to let go of that. It was very painful having to let go of the last um, three and a half weeks of my pregnancy you know, and I, I think that that can be a hard sentiment for some women to relate to. Cause I know that I have a lot of friends who at the end, they're just so ready to be done, but I was, I did not feel that way. I always feel a sense of loss after I give birth. Um, just all of a sudden you're not connected to that little being like you were before you were one being, and now you're two. And so I always experience a little bit of that. And this time I experienced like so much loss in the sense that I didn't get to sort of experience those last few weeks of being pregnant and connected in that way, knowing that I wasn't going to ever be pregnant again. Um, and that that was kind of the end of what my express uh, pregnancy and giving birth experiences were. Um, it felt like an end of an era, but not the end that I had wanted or hoped for. And, you know, we we talked about this, Cynthia, in our support group that so many people said to me, oh, you're so lucky. You're okay. And the baby's okay. And that's all that matters. And that, of course, 
is important, but that was like the baseline, you know, importance. And then everything else, you know, you feel like you have to have gratitude for, for just that fact that everyone was healthy in the end and okay. And like everything else doesn't matter, but, um, there was so much more that had happened. And yeah, I couldn't, I'm actually surprised. I'm not teary at this talking to you about this. Cause, um, I do find myself still getting teary about it. You know, if I see like, you know, on TV or in a movie, a woman having a C-section, it feels very triggering for me. I get very just emotional about that. I really do feel a lot of compassion and empathy now. I have many, I know many, many women who have had C-sections. And so in a sense, I have this feeling that I can relate to them in a way that I couldn't before. I think that I did take a sense of pride in my first two births and sort of feel like, wow, I really, I did it. I did it vaginally. I did it without an epidural, you know, and now I feel so much more like compassionate and empathetic to everyone who does end up with a C-section, whether it was warranted or not. And sort of even more sad for women who do have to have them when they're not necessary. Did this experience change the way you view birth at all? Did it create any sense of fear around birth or sort of just that feeling of like birth accidents happen? Sometimes difficult things happen in birth and thank goodness we have the resources that we have when we need them. How would you feel about giving birth again? Yeah, I've thought about this a lot (laughs) Um, because yes, there was a you know, there was a part of me that I thought I was just going to be done after my third baby. And there has been a part of me that has felt like, no, I, I want to have another child. I want to have another experience, but there's a piece of me that is afraid to now that feels like, what if that happens again? Um, and we aren't, you know, quote unquote, as lucky as I was this time. So yes, it has changed my feelings about birth. I do see it in a sort of, you know, I, I think a lot of times we talk about birth being a natural thing that women are meant to do, which I have believed so wholeheartedly. And I really did feel like I was meant to have children and give birth to them. Um, And so this has sort of given me this, like, wow, there are times when it is a medical emergency thing that happens. And there is that piece of fear in me around it, um, which, you know, I feel sad about too. I don't want to feel like that about birth, but I do. And I, I do wonder like, would I be able emotionally to ever go through a pregnancy and a birth again after having this experience? Hey there, all you amazing, strong, and beautiful women especially you new moms and moms-to-be. I'm Taylor, co-founder and CEO of Vitality. And I'm Taylor's sister, Chloe, co-founder and chief design officer. We started Vitality to encourage and empower everyone to live a vibrant life. We're all about supporting women, especially on the journey to motherhood. When I was pregnant, I really struggled to find comfy leggings that I could wear all day, every day. So we set out to make the best maternity pants out there. We took those pain points and designed pieces that were supportive and comfortable, including details like a high-rise fit, 
underbelly seam, raw cut hems, and to top it off, we have an embedded silicone panel that acts like a built-in suspension system for your low back, which is the first of its kind. So we designed this line in our Marshmallow Soft Cloud 2 fabric in not only a maternity pant, but a volley and biker short as well. Let me tell you, all of these pieces are a game changer. Just go to shopvitality.com. And cherry on top, you guys can use code down to birth at checkout to get 10% off your order. 10% off athleisure designed for pregnancy during pregnancy. Down to birth is sponsored by Postpartum Soothe. Recovering from a vaginal birth takes many women by surprise. Everyday activities like sitting, walking, and going to the bathroom can be uncomfortable. And Postpartum Soothe is just the remedy to support your healing and relieve discomfort. Postpartum Soothe is a 100% organic herbal blend that's applied to maternity pads in the days immediately following your birth, giving you all the benefits of a sits bath 24-7. That's because herbs like comfrey leaf, uva ursi, and witch hazel are known for their antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory properties. Postpartum Soothe can be prepared anytime during the third trimester, and it makes a beautiful baby gift. It's a must for any woman seeking a faster, easier recovery from a vaginal birth. Visit postpartumsoothe.com. That's postpartumsoothe, S-O-O-T-H-E.com, and use promo code DOWNTOBIRTH. Did you know that 97% of women take a prenatal vitamin, yet 95% of us are still deficient in key nutrients for pregnancy and postpartum? After a long time searching for the optimal prenatal nutrition product, we bring you Needed a radically better prenatal vitamin. Needed's nutritional products offer nutrients that your body can utilize with doses at optimal versus bare minimum levels and are available in capsules and an easy-to-take vanilla powder, perfect for those moms with pill fatigue or nausea. Needed is a woman-founded company offering a superior nutritional product lineup backed by research, data, and insights from nearly 4,000 women's health experts. Needed offers premium supplements for every stage from egg quality support for women trying to conceive to lactation support for breastfeeding. And you know, Cynthia and I, we love their botanical sleep and relaxation support packets before bedtime. So if you are looking for a radically different prenatal, head on over to thisisneeded.com and enter down to birth for 20% off your first order. It's a difficult feeling to grapple with. It's Mm -hmm. because we do trust birth and we need to trust birth and birth is trustworthy the vast, vast, vast majority of the time. Yeah. But nature's not perfect. You know, and I, it's hard not to question why it happened. You know, I sometimes go back to those last few weeks and wonder, did something happen that I totally missed? Um, when I got to the hospital, they asked me, you know, all these questions. Did you fall down? Do you drink alcohol? Do you smoke? Did you have COVID? I mean, the first thing they did was give me a COVID test. Um, and the answer was no to everything. You know, I have. And you had a biophysical profile earlier in the day that showed that everything was absolutely okay. Right. Yeah. I don't know why it happened. And I think that probably is one of the hardest parts of it. Do you think this would have been a different experience for you had you had a pretty standard C-section where you had a spinal instead and you were conscious and awake? How would that have been different for you? Would it have been been easier? I mean, I think 
Um, the, the fact that I wouldn't have missed my baby being born would have made a huge difference. That is something, you know, that I think being under general anesthesia really took away from me, right. That I didn't, you know, I didn't get to hear him cry when he came out. I didn't get to see him, you know, by the time he was handed to me, he'd already been wrapped up. He, you know, it was just, I really missed that moment. And I was, worried that that was going to affect our bond when he was really, really little within that first month, we went up to Vermont where my parents live. Um, and we were staying on this house with fields and every single night I would put him in the carrier and walk around the fields with him and, you know, like talk to him and cry and apologize for not being there when he was born. See, now I am crying. So you know, I think that would have changed things. Um, I've seen some C-section videos where, you know, women have these births where they take the baby and immediately just move the baby from the stomach right onto the chest and do this kind of more gentle cesarean. And I'm sure that if I had been able to plan something like that, I could have planned it in a way that was, you know, more gentle and bonding. You basically did do that with your husband. I mean, from the baby's experience, it really was the same as going into a baby is born knowing both parents, the voices and the sense. And Wilder did get to have that really lovely, gentle bonding experience. I like to remind people that my best friend from college had her only two children, twins at 31 weeks, and they weighed about two and three pounds each. And they were in the NICU for eight and 10 weeks each. And they're like happy, loving, well-adjusted, secure, kind, beautiful teenagers now because it, it doesn't come down to that hour after birth. I mean, I didn't have that with my mom after birth. Probably almost no one in our generations did. And what a child needs is a stable, secure home where they're, where they're wanted. And women who are more sensitive, the child has the benefit of a mom who's more sensitive and empathetic to raise them, but those sensitive moms beat themselves up and feel guilty over things very easily. And that's the unfortunate thing about being a sensitive, deeply feeling woman. It's that your child has more advantages as far as the emotional intelligence and empathy it'll receive, but they also have a mom who's beating themselves up all the time and feeling like they're not doing it just right. Um, you know, when people say to you, you have this healthy child they're all people really do mean well. No one wants to see a woman suffer after birth. And they're always saying things like that. But um, no one has to remind you that you ended up with, that you ended up alive because you had two other boys first that you definitely couldn't leave behind, but that your baby was well. And we have to give room for grieving the birth experience that we didn't have. And that's what we rob women of when we jump in with trying to make them feel better. Yeah. And it was, you know, I did join your postpartum support group, Cynthia, and that was so key for me during that time, just to have, you know, a space where everyone was sort of going through the same things at the same time, um, week after week. Um, I know there were a number of women in our group who had had C-sections at that point. And so I think it made me feel less like alone maybe in that experience. But yeah, I love what you're saying too, because I do think that women beat, we beat ourselves up a lot about things that are really out of our control. 
We've shared quite a few stories on the podcast of mothers who, for whatever reason, traumatic birth or even in a non-traumatic, but just overwhelming birth where bonding with their baby has been delayed sometimes for many months. Some mothers, you know, haven't felt like they could really bond with their baby until they were six or nine months old or even a year old, but it still happens. So Megan, thank you for sharing this story. Many women are sharing their birth stories on this podcast after they've had their first birth be a traumatic, difficult birth, and they're sharing their sort of redemptive birth story. And this is the opposite experience. And certainly there are women out there who are in the same boat as you. What what do you want those women to know? What do you want to share with the women who have had great birth experiences followed by something that's a lot more difficult and even traumatic? Well, I think one thing that's been important for me is that my last birth doesn't negate my other two births. So remembering that I've had those experiences as well. Um, I remember after I had my first child and I was with a group of women who we'd all been in prenatal yoga together, and then we'd all had our babies around the same time. And they were telling their stories. Like, And a lot of them were, I had a C-section. I And somebody said, what about your birth? And I said, you know, oh yeah, I had Silas vaginally. And they said, did you get an epidural? And I said, no. And one of the women said, of course you didn't get an epidural. You're all, you're so natural or something like that. And that was my identity, you know, in terms of giving birth. So yes, it is. It's a a shift um, in the way I perceived myself, I guess for me, it's helped to sort of rewrite my story, you know? So when I tell my story, not just telling about the really hard parts, but about telling the parts where I was really strong and in control, you know, the way that I handled the situation, the way that I took control with breastfeeding, something that I knew I could do and I could do for my baby. Um, I think that has really helped me to take pride in those moments. Um, But also I think, you know, just to know that you're never alone, that there are other people out there who have had similar experiences and that it is all part of sort of this um, women supporting women. I think of it like this really big circle of all of us sort of supporting each other through all of these experiences. And that has been something that for me, tapping into that has really helped. Thanks for joining us at the Down to Birth Show. You can reach us at Down to Birth Show on Instagram or email us at contact at downtobirthshow.com. All of Cynthia's classes and Trisha's breastfeeding services are held live, online, serving women and couples everywhere. Please remember this information is made available to you for educational and informational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. For our full disclaimer, visit downtobirthshow.com slash disclaimer. Thanks for tuning in, and as always, hear everyone and listen to yourself. My um, my grandfather was an OB, and he's he's 103, so that's how he's still alive at 103, and so he was obviously practicing in a different time, and he actually was a huge proponent for natural birth. Um, And he said that he used to tell women that their due date was a week after their calculated due date, 
he used to say that because, you know, most women didn't go into labor when their official due date was. 